The show's mere existence is evidence of the fact that when you get two or more tech enthusiasts together, craziness ensues. What happens then when you get over 100,000 tech enthusiasts, journalists, marketers, and visionaries together in the middle of the desert for a week and surround them with a year's worth of development, innovation, and just plain hard work? Yeah, craziness doesn't even start to describe it. This sand and booze-fueled masterpiece is none other than CES, the annual top-of-year kickoff to everything from TVs, smart homes, and dancing robots. Oh, how I wish I was kidding. 2023 was absolutely no different, with a number of standouts we're here to talk through today, a few of which might even see a store shelf someday. So full-blown solid-state style, let's grab an energy drink, charge those batteries, and lay on full sprint through, sadly, just a handful of our favorites from this year's Consumer Electronics Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. And I'm Eric Sargent. And welcome to 2023. We are we are here. Um, we hard to believe. It. We made it. It's hard to believe it's been two whole weeks since we uh, last recorded. Had to get over the hump of the new year and just all the moving parts around that. But we're here. I will openly admit, I, for one, got some much-needed R&R, you know, kind of fit in there in the intervening oh, yeah. weeks. But the technology super industrial complex did not only because it is in my opinion almost one of those sick jokes where it lands because it's like hey happy new year boom ces yeah but that is uh, literally the same week yeah that that is uh what transpired in the in the time since we last recorded so it actually wrapped up last week so it took it literally takes uh, place the first week of january and uh for those who are not familiar the ces is the consumer electronic show that takes place out in air quotes, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada. That, that's right. Where humidity goes to die and the heat still reigns supreme. Yep. But um, I don't mean the basketball team. So, <laughs> uh, so obviously CES means a lot of things to a lot of companies. It is one of, if not the largest single electronics focused event in the world. I mean, there's definitely some other real big ones that happen throughout the year, but uh, CES it, it, my take has always been it means the most to the most verticals in one place. Because right. obviously you've got like, if you're big on mobile phones, Mobile World Congress is where it's at. Like a very good friend of mine who works more on like the, the TV and AV side of things, like for him, Cedia is his big, you know, his big yep, stop of the year. That's where all their stuff gets announced, yeah. You got Computex, you've got, you know, Gamescom, all these, you know, depending on your vertical. But it really just seems that CES is that melting pot where so much of tech arrives and maybe sees a store shelf because if CES is known for a couple things, one of them is these really crazy announcements. And I chose crazy very, very intentionally because until you've seen insert international electronic brand companies, CEO on a stage with dancing robots and, you know, acrobatics while handing out donuts, you just haven't lived. And that's right. really how some of these announcements can go. Um, but the flip side of those announcements is how many of them ever actually do see a physical or virtual store shelf? How many of them are, by all definition, vaporware? And that's, you never really know because you can't just say, oh, well, you know, sure, that was Samsung that made that announcement. That's obvious get released, but that Joe Schmo company over there never heard of them. That has no chance of making it. I... I've given up on trying to play that game because I've lost that bet a lot of times on companies I've never heard of and their products still hit the market. Some even disrupt and then eventually get purchased by one of those bigger brands. One Looking at you, places, Oculus. Sure. 
Yeah, but exactly. um, yep, there you go. That's a good example. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I right? did announce at one of those. Yeah, sure. It was CES. I remember. I've, yeah. I've my my original Oculus developer kit is still hanging out in a box up in my closet. Um, and that was like that was my Oculus until what I guess would have been the first like release Rift. But um, sure. And then later became the MetaQuest and so on and so forth. But I mean, you've got those and those stories. But then just as many times, maybe more the big name brands that we all know and love show up, throw crazy stuff on stage with coming soon in the tagline, sure. never to be heard from I again. Feel like, I feel like that happens a lot with, with the automobile industry because they, they have a presence at CES too. And it seems like CES is where they bring yes. all of their concept stuff. And it's like, it's become a car or well, it's been a car show for yeah. a long time, but I will say the, the vaporwareness um, and I feel like I'm just channeling my inner Neil I Patel at this point from the verge and, um, <laughs> shout out to those guys. Um, the EV has just turned that up to 11. Every yeah. major company is just rolling up pun intended and saying, look, what's going to be hitting your driveway sometime next year. And we never see it never again. See it. Yeah. It's and just, it's always, there's always these fancy things that, you know, you see in back to the future or whatever that, you right. know, like you're just never going to see, you know, cause I definitely need a 32 inch screen in the front seat of my car. That's, that's next. That's what's coming soon. It seems like is bigger and bigger well, screens. Yeah. What's coming soon is an entire episode on how exactly what you're talking about is leading towards a format war. I never knew could exist. One yeah. I never asked for. And one I absolutely refuse to participate in, which is what console lock-in is going to inform my next vehicle purchase. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Just, Hard stop. And they did Hardest some of, of those stop. at C CES. So yeah, I mean, be, be prepared to get your, you know, Nintendo car and apparently do actual no, well, Mario this, Kart. This was even on our <laughs> show lineup, but one of them was, I want to say it was Honda and Sony yep. teaming up for the most obscene car I think I've ever seen. And obscene, I mean, just, I just cannot imagine the universe where I one day am walking down the street and see that in someone's driveway. I just, yeah. I just can't. It's got like a display on the outside front where you can display a charging bar yeah. or the weather, um, or God knows what else. Right? I, yeah, you can show how charged your. I did see that, and and they have they pick the absolute worst car brand name ever, which is Afila. A, yes. Um. I'm I don't, not going uh, down the I don't I won't feel do. too good about purchasing one of those. Oh, so it's just, just all no. those jokes are coming. They just picked all the worst of, name. They ever. brought it on themselves. No, they can't be mad at anyone. Their own branding team. I'm sorry, yep, but exactly. I guess I, there's no reason to be angry because all those guys got fired for CES because the, the products are real. I'm sorry. It's yeah. just not. But the reason I was even mentioning that was the Sony aspect of it is just like, Cool. So is it going to be like featuring PS, you know, like PlayStation game streaming? You know, you're you're stuck in traffic and you're just going to, you know, knock out some Uncharted? Like what? Well, I know, I, I know, know Steam, you know, Steam is coming out with an app on the uh, Teslas. So you're yeah. going to be able to, to do your, your streaming Steam games on a Tesla with a remote hooked up to your giant screen that comes yeah, in. Yeah, they can't, they those, can't get so. me, they can't get me CarPlay, but Steam games, no problem. No problem. Yeah, it's no crazy. Problem. But anyway, what we're here for, I what guess we're we got here to talk already, about. Well, no, we're not because yeah. that is exactly what CES is, though. I mean, really, that is CES in a nutshell is two brands that I don't know the last time they were on a stage together walk in and say, you know, what we're going to do a car collab. 
And I yeah. just, I rank that a 0.1 out of a hundred chance of ever showing up on a lot virtual or physical. Right. Just, and if it does, then we'll go for a test drive and then do an episode on it. Sure. I will. I, I openly <laughs> claim I will, I will pull for any top gear fans out there, a James May style, you know, quote unquote, secret car ride, te- uh, uh, test drive test of a vehicle. Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll put the fake camera in my lapel and everything. So that, that's my promise. Honda. I'm looking at you put that car at a dealership and I will show up to, I guess it's not a great offer. I will show up to probably rip it apart seven ways to Sunday. Right. Exactly. So we'll find out, I don't think they're going to call my bluff based on that. No. Alone. But uh, yeah. So anyway. one of the things that we were coming to talk about again, leading into there with the giant screens yep. in the cars is apparently this is the year where we're going to supersize all the laptops. No, man, I'm in, like. I, I, I have, I'm so glad we're actually leading off with this because it's the thing I'm most excited about. I am so ready for laptops to be cool again. And I don't mean good again because we've talked ad nauseum on this show about how great some of the most recent laptops. Yes. And boyism aside, I I hate to break it to you. Almost all of them have a piece of fruit on the lid because Apple's making great for a company that basically ignored their laptop lineup for the better part of it. If you're not looking for a gaming laptop, but you're looking for a laptop to edit photos on, do, do a podcast on just use for day to day stuff. Yeah, if it's got a piece of fruit on it, it's probably doing just fine at all of yeah. those things. So, but that, but that's not what I'm talking because I will say again for the Top Gear crowd out there, I don't actually know where say my M2 MacBook Air would end up on my own personal cool wall. You know sure. what I mean? It's a great laptop by def like by every measure, and it's even beautiful. I don't know if it's cool, right? And I looked through some of these laptops and. I'm not ready to call them cool just yet, but I'm definitely ready to call them crazy in some of the best ways. Yeah. Um, there were examples of these from almost insert brand here. Lenovo, Acer, Asus, yeah. uh, MSI was in the mix. But the the pair that I kind of wanted to zero in on because it's also a brand that's equally near and dear to my heart. I've been a, a user of their product for years, and that's Razer. I brought them up many times yeah. on the show. Yep. Um, currently, one of my like go-to laptops for personal use is a, a Razer Blade 15. Um, I guess it's a couple years old now because it's one, it would have been the last one before they dropped the 30 series GPUs in it. So it's got the 2080 and okay. i7, you know, all around just, and I am not one, if you know me, to hold on to frankly a laptop that long, but that one just, it's rock solid. It does everything I ask of it. It's a great computer. Um, but that said, this might be the year because re- his, I guess backing up historically, the the main line, there's some other form factors in there, but the main line Razer laptops to date um, in recent years have been the Razer, the Razer Blade 15 and 17, which yep. there's no tricks here. 15 inch, 17 inch. Generally similar specs. You can get them up to an i9. I think these days you can get them with 3080s and maybe even 3080 Ti's. The, the, the Max-Q versions, obviously the laptop-centric right. yeah. versions. But where, what Razer Blade came to play with, um, pun intended, is the Razer Blade 16 and 18. And again, no tricks here. 16-inch, 18-inch. laptop is just massive, man. That is huge. <laughs> and there's no getting around that. They are. They're big. They're thick. They're heavy. This is not... This is possibly the antithesis 
to that M2 MacBook Air I was talking about yep. before. Because that is a laptop that is thin, light, blazing fast, killer battery life. This thing is going to be huge and heavy and have terrible battery life and be blazing fast at like three things. Yep. Yeah, because I'm I mean, actually willing to bet, and we actually will end up doing this side by side. Most of those average tasks you were listing off a minute ago, I'm willing to bet the M2 Air still going to be faster at those. Because right. God, Apple's got a commanding lead in a lot of those categories with the M series processors. Yeah, but you, and if you, not that M2 thing, Air, definitely you're you have an M M1 Max or Ultra. I can't. Yours I is have Ultra. A, I have a Max. Yeah, they, Max. The, okay. The, um, the MacBook Pros go up to the Mac. Yeah, you have to get the. Um, the actual desktop one to get the, which, which is probably a more fair direct comparison because that, I mean, you spent pound for pound, dollar for dollar about the for same. that, about yep. what one of these razor blade 16s are expected to cost. Yep. Um, but the area where this is just going to rip is going to be gaming and all things, GPU and CPU yep. heavy lifting. Cause these things are going to be dropping. I'm told with core I nines across the slate. That was the crazy one. There's different variations on the I nine, but still, i9s across the product slate um which is just bonkers yeah and then crazy. you can get up into um 40 you know up into the high higher level like 40 80 level gpus right and and you're so, also talking ddr5 like the newest ddr5 ram in there yep and pcie 4.0 ssd drives in there which are going to be what those are those are normally going like those pci 4.0s get up in like the Seven thousand. Uh, it, up there, I don't have the like numbers like, in front of me, crazy. but the read the read writes are insane. Insane, yeah. These things are going to be very fast. So, so yeah, they're just these 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 are just I just love them because how crazy they are. They look very so. You put one next to last year's model, it just looks like a slightly bigger razor. Like it's not like they put they already have enough lights on them for my liking, but they didn't put like extra neon stripes down the side. There's no sure. crazy ridge vents. I mean, the MSI and it Asus doesn't have a screen on different. the back to tell you your battery charge or the weather. I mean, I can point you towards a certain Asus ROG laptop that might just do that, but not yeah, in the case of the razors. Um, <laughs> but these are bonkers in a different way. Like the, the screen, like I, I'm just going to pick and choose a, a few of these um, features. And, and so I did misspeak. You can take them up to the 4090 GPUs oh, wow. in these devices. Crazy. So, um, and I, I should have mentioned too, starting at just shy of $2,700 and $2,900 respectively. So getting out in front of it, these are expensive pieces of kit. Razor always has been, but this is like next level expensive for the right. overwhelming majority of people. But this is not meant to be an impulse buy, buy your kid a laptop for college kind of device. Um, like one of the one of the features that I saw on the 16 inch that was really crazy. There's a switch where you can back it off between high resolution lower refresh rate or 1080p resolution max 240 hertz re, uh, refresh right. rate. And it's like a hard switch or something, right? I, it's either going to be a hard switch or an FN switch. I obviously haven't used right. one yet, so I didn't get. But either way, it is a physical control, which I think is a, a cool. I wish there were more physical controls in my life, but that's just. What a great way to give me that level of decision making. Like, because wh which game am I playing? Am I playing something that's very cinematic and, you know, I really want to get the full fidelity out of 4K textures and all of that? Or am I playing a fast paced shooter where every frame counts and that 240 hertz is where it's at? Like, yeah. I just give me that choice. If you can't deliver consistently, and that, I think it's an okay, like, not like they acknowledge we can't consistently deliver blank. So we're going to give you a button that does it. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than good with it. Actually. It's, I think it's a really, really great idea. 
So I mean, the, the display, of, I even love the 18 inch. It's the little things. The 18 inch is big enough because let's face it, that's why they did it. It's big enough. They brought back the physical ethernet port. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Part of me, yeah. the, me and all 12 people on earth that give a crap just got really excited about it. But not only is it an ethernet port, it's a 2.5 gigabit ethernet port. So if you're, yeah, that's if you're pretty cool. wired up for that, this is just like the little stuff of this. That's, in today's laptop environment, that's crazy in a good way. Like, that's what I mean. Like, we've been dropping ports left and right. The ones you get all need a dongle. I mean, every bag I own has some kind of USB-C docking station in it for right. all the ports I no longer have on my two or $3,000 laptops. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And this is just like, screw it. If you're willing to strap six extra pounds to your back, and I am, here's everything. And yep, I just all think the that's you might need. Yeah. All, all the things. So I'm just, I don't want to settle in on this one entirely because we've got plenty more to get through. But like these razors were just, oh, one thing I forgot to mention too, the, they are 16 and 18. So they're bigger, but they're not just, they didn't just stretch the screen out one direction. They are 16 by 10 displays instead of traditional yeah. 16 by nine aspect ratio. So that, that space you're getting is height. And I will tell you the, the steady March of shortening displays over the last decade plus. I'm so thrilled to see that trend, not just here, but in a few areas starting to reverse because, and maybe it's just how I work, but I, the number of screens, both large and small that I sit in front of that I just wish for more vertical space, yeah. give it to me. I'm, I'm all in. Like if, yeah. I'm not saying bring me back four by three per se, as I sit in front of a Samsung arc, but on a laptop, <laughs> like the 16 by 10, I'm, I'm all in. I'll give yeah. me, that vertical space all day long. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. That. Now, is one of the is one of the screens like mini LED or both of them? Um, the I want to say it is the sixteen inch because it is just one of them. One right. of them I think is it's mini the smaller LED. One is mini LED, and then the larger right. one is yeah, it's not. It's just big. It's just bigger, and I'm sure yeah, they um, probably don't have they don't make panels that big in that yet. That right. are affordable. Yeah, without it just being hugely more expensive. Yeah. So yeah, the 16 inch is bringing in that, that, um, the mini led display, okay. which, which yeah. makes sense, which is pretty but, cool. Yeah. So I just, I, I love the displays. I love the form factor. I love razors build quality to begin with. I mean, we're not talking about the manufacturing level of detail, say a MacBook, but they just, their, their materials choices and there's the overall feel. We talk constantly about like sensory experience when using yeah. these devices. And I really appreciate the sensory experience that I get when using a razor product, especially they're just, they're just well, they're a pleasure yeah, to they're, use. They're, they're built to last. They're built yep. with quality materials and you can tell when you, when you pick one up, especially one of these, you're going to be able, they're going to be hefty. They're going to, they're yeah. going to be all there, which is going to, you know, which this, like you said, this laptop is not made to carry around everywhere with you. People no. will, you know, take it to a friend's house, you know, whatever the new version of a land party is like that kind of thing. You, you know, you can do all of that stuff with it, but this is going to be parked on a desk somewhere, likely plugged into a monitor, right. but also able to go mobile with somebody if they want to. When, when I want to, and you just, yeah. you really just hit the nail on the head for me. Cause that's the promise of this thing for me, which is like, you're right. It is going to be parked in one of two places. 90% of the time. It's going to be parked at home. It's going to be parked at the office and right. its mobility will be to walk its way into my bag, get in the car and drive and walk its way back out again. So like the weight, I, I'm not a commuter. I don't spend time on the train or anything like that. So like I, I'm never going to use this thing on an airplane right. ever, ever, 
ever, ever, ever. And now that I say it, I'm sure I'm going to use it on my next flight after I get one. Right. But because that's just how the universe works. But like, really, like the, the, you're right. I want all of that horsepower and the ability that if we take a week's vacation and I have to work for a day or two while we're away, this is me picking up. This is one device that can do it all. We can podcast yep. from it. I can game from it. I can do the heaviest of lifting our jobs ask of me. Like this, this answers. And and again, to be fair, my MacBook Pro has been that. And even my MacBook Air, but definitely like when I typically am gone for more than a few days, it's my Pro that goes Pro. with me because I know there's no workload short of gaming that I can throw at that mm. MacBook Pro and, and have it sweat. This is all that and like throwing an Xbox in there for fun. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? It's, it yeah. really is that. So, and I, I, I zeroed in on the Razer because I just, I know the brand better, but going back to the CES narrative here, all the brands you would think were there with stuff like this in the laptop space, bigger form factors, crazier horsepower. I said Acer, Asus, Lenovo, like all of them were there. All MSI of them version of this. Yeah. Yep. And I don't expect much if any of that is going to fall into that vaporware category. I truly expect to see these devices hitting shelves in the first half of this well, year. The thing that I'm most excited about is something we talk about on the show a lot also is the fact that there is now going to be so much competition in this space. Yep. In in six to eight months time, we're going to be able to get some crazy deals on these laptops because you're right they're all going to be fighting for people to go out and purchase them and it's going to be pretty cool to be able to get one of these for a decent price so uh looking forward to solid state podcast black friday 2023 spectacular nice. where yes, we can... exactly <laughs> where, where we end up buying more expensive things we shouldn't yes that's just if there's a reason that my wife hates this show and it might be the only one it's, it's <laughs> net impact on my credit card statement yeah but I digress. As long as it gets paid off every month, she's happy. So, um, so that was the laptop category. Again, much more to follow there. Truly, this is gonna. This is kind of like I loved the the juxtaposition of this as our first episode for the year because I think when we go to wrap up 2023, we will be able to draw lines back to this episode from several future episodes. Definitely, um, we're gonna have a what's in the box for one of these razors and probably the ASUS ROG entry in this line also because those are both laptops that tend to make appearances in our in our work life. Work um, life so yeah. I I fully. Expect expect to see those show up and just i'm really really looking forward to that um so yeah all, laptops crazy and the, the next category i wanted to go into is like a half step to the right because sure. if, if laptops went kind of crazy monitors just went all the way into the deep end yeah well they're i think they're sick and tired of people going out and buying a off the shelf 32 inch 4k tv from walmart and paying a couple hundred bucks for it they want people out they, they want to offer people actual monitors computer monitors that can purpose-built monitors yeah yeah go, going back to our, our work life i've been asked that more times than i count over the years well can't i just go get a tv and use it and the answer is always yes you can technologically speaking you can do it but you are making sacrifices especially historically now these days the, that line between monitors and TVs in a true sense have yeah. blurred in both directions. Now As I mentioned, I'm, I, and, yeah. Yeah, I happen to be using a Samsung Arc right now, 55, and I will say, the and I'm talking about the actual experience of using the monitor, and I mean physically, is far closer to using a TV. This is this is more Samsung TV than it is a Samsung display because I replaced yeah. a Samsung display. There was an Odyssey G9. Right. The freaking thing came with a TV remote. 
Eric, it's the same TV yeah. remote from our QN series TV. That's funny. <laughs> it's the same room. I could walk well, out and go turn on my living room TV with the remote that came in the box with my monitor. And that seems to be Samsung's shtick with their monitors now because they they also announced a couple of other monitors, updates to monitors in their line. They had one that was kind of competing with with Apple, you know, for their because their monitor was so expensive, they put one out that was like six ninety nine or whatever from launch. And right. I forget the exact model number. It had like a, you could get several different colors. It was like a white plastic back. It was a 4K monitor, yep. 60 hertz, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't super fancy, but it did the job. And it was really, really nice. It has like a webcam that attaches to the back with a magnet. They updated that one this year. And that's one of the things. It comes with a TV remote and it comes with smart TV apps built into Yep. the monitor, but it's, it's sold as a computer monitor yet. It has smart TV stuff built in so you can use it for both, which I think is kind of cool. Um, like you said, the lines are just being more blurred now. Understood. Yeah. I'm, um, yeah. Monitors really just went completely crazy this year. So like looking at the Asus, Asus had a 27 inch entry. That's, I guess, let me back up. OLED. That, so that when we talk about like a lot of the TV tech making is the other reason a lot of people were buying those TVs, swap, drop them on their desk and using them as, as monitors was a, it was a, it was a effect of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like that was a people were working from home. They needed big displays. TVs were easier to get a hold of. Like yeah. that was just a fact. I know a lot of people that did that. And even on the flip side, people got so used to having TVs and those smartphone apps, Eric, to your point, I think that's what fed a lot of the during and post pandemic. And again, giant air quotes around post don't. Yeah email me. Um, people got so used to that. There's now that, that imperative to put those smartphone apps. I'm sorry, smartphone apps, smart TV apps apps, in, in the monitors because people did realize, man, it is kind of nice to be able to switch inputs from my laptop and just have Netflix up while I eat lunch at my desk and not have to run Netflix in a browser. You know what I mean? Like there was just, there were elements to that. So, but where now the TV tech is coming back down to the monitors, OLED, I feel like is one of the big ones. That was one of the other big pushes was I know several people personally who going out and getting an LG C1 and just dropping it on their desk was like the most effective way to get a big, beautiful OLED display on their desk. Um, But, you know, not everyone necessarily wants even a 40, like 47 inch is still a big display. And like, it can be, it can be too big. If you're sitting on any kind of a regular size desk, it's eight inches, 12 inches from your face. That's right. That's really close. You get a tan from that. You know, right. That's, that's so very close to your face. That, that sweet spot for a lot of gamers for years has been the 27 to 32 inch range. Yeah. And so, so like Asus has, for an example, has this, this PG 27 monitor coming with it with OLED. And I love that because of the refresh rate and the OLED, the heat so high, they had to mount a heat sink on it, yeah. which I just, I love that to death. And monitor again, with that, an active cooling fan. That's pretty funny. right. And that's like, that's right up there in that same category with that's crazy. Like it's crazy in a great way. They're doing crazy stuff. They're not making the thinnest possible panel with, with as little bezel as possible. Like, yeah, this thing has a crazy thin bezel, but they're just like, screw the rest of it. How do we get the biggest, brightest display with the deepest black levels and the highest refresh rate on here? Strap a giant piece of metal to the back. Let's go. 240 hertz refresh rate with a 0.03 millisecond response time yeah. on that Asus monitor. That is ridiculous. It's, it's it's awesome. And I just, I want to see, and there is more of that. Asus had another monitor, the ROG Swift Pro. I think that might've been a 24 inch model, but it's bringing 
they claim 540 hertz of overclocked screen refresh. Insane. I am not I mean, an expert many- in this category. Yeah, I th- I think we're I think this might be where we're starting to like meander towards what you and I have talked about in the past about audio tech, where it's like at yeah. what point do you have to be one of eight people on the planet with the ears to hear the difference? Like I know my eyes aren't. I have I like to think I have pretty decent vision. I don't know if I could see the tangible difference between two forty and five forty. Like yeah, I can I, occasionally tell the difference between 120 and 240. I, I, for example, I have a device somewhere around here with 365 hertz, I think it is, and I struggle to tell the difference between that and 240. I don't know if I could make the jump and notice from 240 yeah, to 500 I'm, plus. I have trouble seeing that. Like my eyes just don't register it. I, I, I don't. I hardly see a difference between 60 and 120. And I know for you, that's a stark difference. Like you can see that difference. I can't. Right. So it's, it's you know, I, I don't know. Although you know having recently set up a, a newer Xbox in my house that actually uses 120 Hertz. When I, when I see that on a gaming format, I can see that difference. So sure. maybe in that format, when I'm closer to the TV or the TVs or the monitor, or I'm, you know, the TV is large enough or whatever, I'll be able to see a little bit more of that than I can like from my iPhone going from 60 Hertz to hundred. I mean, hertz. sure. There's also the limit. I hate to say it, but the limiting factor is going to be, I haven't done the research. I don't know what could run it. Like I'm, I don't know what it would take for even say a 4090 TI to do something like that. Because this monitor is, it's 540 Hertz, but it's also a 1080p. So it's not like it's trying to run 4k at 540. No. And that, and that does make a difference, but even just, we're talking 500, that's just, it's so many frames. Like I, yeah, that's a lot, but I'm not, I want to back up though and say, I'm not mad about it because crazy stuff like this is what propels the industry forward. And this is the kind of stuff I haven't seen. These insane bets are things I haven't seen out of this segment in the industry in several years. And it's really cool to see them just swinging for the fences with this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes me, it makes me feel like they are, they're almost daring NVIDIA and AMD to make a card that can power this monitor. They're like, Hey guys, we got a monitor that can run this. Where's your card that can, that can power this thing. So Right. We'll see if if we can get one of those out of there. But yeah, I mean that that 540 hertz monitor. I I'd like to see that tested. You know, I'd love to see it side right. by side with in one application. That's doing, yeah, that one that's doing 60 hertz and next to a 540 playing the same clip at the same time in those two different refresh rates. I'd love to see what that looks like. I I'd love to be able to see it in great because like I'd like to think at 60 I could tell the difference. Right. At 120 I might be able to tell the difference. I, I go back to my example of 240 is where I really start to wonder. Although you, you and I were having a conversation this morning about like color space on TVs, sure. way too much inside the pod. But um, I, I agree with what you said because you and I were talking about like balance between displays and whatnot. And I and maybe you're right. That's one of those things where the only way you'd be able to discern the difference side is by, by putting them side by side. Because if you just had a device like that switch on the razor. Yeah. Like if you had, if you had a magical display where you could push a button and just cycle through those refresh rates, be able to go yeah. through the whole spectrum one at a time, you might be able to tell the difference in the moment, but I wonder how quickly your eyes and just your overall perception would adapt yeah. I mean, beyond a certain your, point. Your brain always adjusts for stuff like that. It's the same thing with when there's like a repetitive sound, um, right. you eventually, White your, noise. your mind will just tune it out. Or if there's a smell in the room, sometimes you won't smell it after a while. And somebody else who walks in will like that kind of thing. It's got to be the same thing. If you're looking at a 540 Hertz screen all the time, I think probably the only jarring thing would be going back to something that doesn't have that refresh rate instantly. 
not like two days later, but like no. switching from one right to the other, right you back might to the be other. able to feel it. But that, I mean, it would be more of like a, this doesn't feel right kind of thing. It was, my uh, son said the same thing. He was playing that new Xbox at 120 Hertz. And he was like, this is doing weird things to my eyes. Like, because he's never seen something running so at 120 used to Hertz. So you see it at 40, yeah. I'm sorry, at 60, at 4K 60. Yep. Yeah. So it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see that the way that, is going to bend perceptions when they get that going. If they can get a card that can power the thing, I'd like to see it. No, absolutely. And um, plowing right through because yeah. we've got, I, I, I could just camp on so many of these topics. Sure, for ages. Yeah. So to, 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 to bookend TV, I'm sorry. Um, monitors. monitors again, just, I, I feel like I feel about this the same way I feel about a lot of the, the laptop stuff. I expect to see most, if not all of these on store shelves like this, this category, these categories tend to be the ones where the products do eventually come out. Yeah. And if they don't, it's because, well, frankly, they discovered they catch on fire, but um, there's always that. Right. Or um, they, or they only made a thousand of them and they're well, going to be so expensive. Nobody's going to buy them anyway. So yeah, that too. But um, over on the TV side of things, very, very interesting. CES, much like it's also a car show, is also very much so a TV show. That said, I'm going to spend less time than I normally would on TVs because for the most part, my big takeaway on TVs was TVs have gotten really good and a lot of the main brands aren't super sure what to do next about it. Like, yeah, there's definitely some enhanced, like I saw some massive displays that no one will ever buy. None of us will yeah. ever buy. Like yep. even with the ridiculous things I purchased, like I'm, I'm, I won't be spending 20 grand on a TV anytime soon. Like, no. you know what I mean? Like that's just, there were, there were those kind of outliers where it's what you're talking about. They're going to make a thousand of them. Yep. 900 have already been sold to the people that have a standing purchase order with Samsung to send them the latest, greatest, just hit their black card. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a real thing. Or again, our, our friend in the TV space has clients like that who, he has a, he knows that they have a standing purchase order with Samsung. I wasn't kidding that anytime they release a new product in certain spaces, they just automatically hit the card on file and mail it to them. And his company gets an email from Samsung. So they know when to show up and install it. Yep. So there's those. And that, that's like the crazy concept car category that it's like the concept cars that a couple people ever actually get to buy. Like, it's not like so concepty. It never becomes, it's not vaporware. It gets made, but it gets made for like the fraction of the fraction of the percent of the market. So I mean, it's even cool. It's yeah, you're right though. It seems like the big innovation that I was seeing is we're seeing more and more and more affordable 8k televisions. But to me, I'm like, there's no source. There's no content. There's nope. bar- like, we barely even have people doing 4k content. Like the only Not way properly. you can get true, true 4k content is getting those 4k ultra Blu-ray discs yep. and playing them on a device. Yeah, I hate, I hate to break it to you. Whatever you're streaming and Netflix claims it's 4k. I'm it here is. to tell you yeah. it might be fourth. It might be 4k pixels, but you are losing so much to compression. Yeah. It's, I don't want to be like that disc thumper guy, but I I agree with you. Like that's, I have a small but growing collection of like things that are really important to me. It's kind of like how I feel. I feel about how some people I know, shout out to past episodes, how some people feel about their vinyl. Like I have a small specifically curated collection of like shows and movies that I've specifically sought out on those physical formats because I know when I want to watch insert movie here and I want to have the literal best uninterrupted visual and audio experience. Cause I feel like 
going back to another episode, audio is the first thing to go. Like in those compression algorithms, they do everything they can to keep the visuals intact. The quality of the audio is the first thing to get chunked out on streaming services. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of that, that transitions pretty good into one of the things that they announced, which is apparently Disney's been doing this for a little while now on Disney Plus and some of the other places have too. They do IMAX enhanced for the visuals, which basically mm. if you've watched TV on your 16 by nine screens, which we all have, IMAX is, is would fill that normally, um, you know, without the black bars on the top and the bottom. Yeah. It's, know, just the size of a, yeah. it's just normally on a screen, the size of a, it's just normally on a screen, the size of a right. building. So, so but when yes. you're watching, you're normally compressed 35 millimeter film and everything the way they do it you get the black bars on the top and the bottom so if you use one that's imax enhanced on disney plus you'll notice it fills the whole screen or just about the whole screen the bezels are much smaller with that with that black bezel so you're getting more picture well apparently they're now also going to be expanding that to signature sound so which i'm assuming means that they're upping the fidelity on the audio stream is what it sounds like i mean right Based on that, they kind of, you know, it's DTS sound. It's it's going to be more the way it's encoded, I guess, for your theater experience is now going to be coming to your home experience. But, of course, you have to have something that can play it, though. Well, I was just going to say, because isn't also going to be like great at launch, at least like crazy vendor specific, like Sony, I think, was in there. Like yeah. it was like. You, okay, in the case of me, uh, until this week, and they're not shipped yet, I have the current generation Samsung QN90, uh, the QN90B, I think it is. Yeah, I, I didn't see that on the list. Like, it is, it's yeah. not just about having a lot of these features, like, and must have a TV 2021 or newer. Like, most TVs 2021 and newer above this tier are going to have it. This is like in partnership with really specific TV and even receiver manufacturers. So there's going to be that asset. It's not just about having new tech. It's about having really specific new tech that partnered with Disney on this product. Right. Yeah. And it feels like there's a lot of that going around that it's like, you know, look at all this super special stuff we're doing, but, but yeah, yeah. you got to lay out 10 grand in fees for all the electronics that can actually power it. So you can, listen to sound at home. That's like a theater where you won't really be able to tell the difference anyway. <laughs> so Details. your room's not sound treated. So what are you going to do? Yeah. But, um, and then rolling back over to TVs, um, yeah. <laughs> again, TVs in general were driven by two things. I think for the most part, this year, like your main, your Samsung, your Sony, your LG, they all came with new stuff, mm-hmm. but the new stuff, well, you and I talked about this in a way, even last year's TV, like my QN 90 B is, effectively a soft bump from the a series Mm because you have a qn90 a A you you have an a series tv so it's like there were very very specific but moderate i feel like they were even less demonstrated this year where yes they came out with some additional screen sizes like i think in their in their um quantum dot oled line or you know um lg brought new oleds with even more brightness like you because that was always been the oled thing it was like yeah, OLED's great, but if you but you need to go QLED to get like the maximum brightness. So the whole idea they're they're all chasing that dragon of how do we get like OLED quality with with competitive with or brightness. better brightness. Yeah. So that's all happening, but no like I think it's a it's a really well established category at this point where I just don't know. It's not like it's never going to happen. I just don't know when we're next going to see like the insert brand here rolls in with this genuinely disruptive feature change that's going to upend the industry. Yeah. Um, maybe 8k doing something 
is going to be that moment. But yeah. again, we have to have both the content and the distribution. So cool. Um, but where I think it is interesting in the TV space right now, is not so much the new features hitting those ends. It's what features are filtering down to the medium to low end. And I have to say, personally, when I think of that medium to low end space, man, TCL continues to stand out in a really, really big, yeah, they've meaningful made some way. huge strides from being that like, here's your $200 TV at Walmart to right. actually having competitive TVs it, in the upper it level. It was space. years and it was embarrassingly more years than it should have been until I realized TCL wasn't someone's store brand. Right. Like I genuinely just mentally written them off as they were an insignia or they were a high, you know what I mean? Like I was just, yeah. and then I, I remember a good friend of mine recommended one. I had a very specific use case for a TV. It wasn't our main TV, but, but it's like, trust me, go get a TCL of this grade or above. I'm like, okay. And I just remember like I was mind blown because it was right there. I had, it was several years ago, but it was a year that I had bought a higher end TV for our living room. It was the mm -hmm. one I'd gotten before our most recent Samsung. And this TV was similar size, massively less expensive, like less than half the price. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say it was just as good. Well, no, I did get something for my money. It wasn't my money's worth. Right. Like, yeah. I will tell you that TV was 90% as good for 40 something percent of the price. Yeah. And, and that's, that's and, and it's shockingly where, good. Yeah. Most people aren't going to be able to tell the difference that 10%. No, most people won't even be able to visually see the difference between no. That. And, and what interesting happened to CES this year was going back to what we were talking about with a lot of the laptops and monitors, TCL went all in on gaming because they yeah. know a lot of people buying these TVs are people who are looking for like, hey, I've got a game room, a better whatever, like a play, wherever my console, like they've become like, you've got a current gen console, we want to be your display. Because it is, they continue to be the, in my opinion, the best price point if you're looking for VRR, HDMI 2.1, like everything you need for, you just lucked into a PS5 or an Xbox Series X and you need a TV that's actually going to run it and you want three digits in the price tag, this is where you can actually go to do that. Yeah. You know, I famously talked about back at our Black Friday episode on the show, I ordered the 65 inch um, TCL 6 series for, I was, you know, because I'm me, I was setting up a racing sim rig and the TV in that room was just not going to cut it. And it was, it was admittedly the oldest TV still in the house. I mean, over 10 years old. It was, it was an old, like, right. I think it was still a, it was my, it was my last plasma. Oh, That's what plasma it was. It was, an, wow. it was an LG yeah. plasma. Cause it was a room not that so like good the, for gaming. The, yeah. the TV got used three times a year in that room, but I was moving, I got in a racing seat and that whole setup and I wanted a property, but I did not want to spend a ton of money on it. Um, and that was that 65 inch TCL six series that hit 600 bucks. I will tell you, it may not be the size of my Samsung out in the living room, but feature for feature, man, they're as the, close yeah. as it matters in the same ballpark. Yeah, that's it's crazy. mini LED. It has a lot of features, but now the, the 2023 models are going even crazier. They're topping off at 240 Hertz. They're doing, um, you know, mini LED in a crazy number of dimming zones. Like they're 2, really 300 dimming zones or something. Yeah. Like that. That's ridiculous. It's a lot. And again, the, to get those features, you're going to pay the higher end of their price points. Um, but I still expect these to be well under the direct competition. Now I have to say that March of time is going to eventually catch up with them. Yeah. Vizio was that player quite a number of years ago when they entered the space, they were 
dollar for dollar, pound for pound, the best TV you could get for the money. But then as they added the higher competition features, that price point started to eke closer and closer and closer to the competition where now they're still cheaper, but they're within normally a 10 point bump of the nearest Samsung, LG, Sony, things like that. They're not the half off bargain they were when I bought my first Vizio 10 years ago. Or the one that Um, I have behind me right here. Sure. Recording. Yeah. That was a super deal TV. Yeah. But in the here and now, I'm here to tell you, if you are just in that space for they're great media TVs, they're great gaming TVs, they're they're great TVs, and you can score a phenomenal display typically for under a grand. And that's just like, you can't say that about almost any, you're making much more major compromises and or sacrifices hitting those price points with almost any other top tier brand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see, like you said, all those features like that 240 Hertz on that, um, variable refresh rate, Yep. you know, mini led, all that kind of stuff. You can get it up to a 98 inch in size. I mean, that's just absolutely yeah. massive. Oh, to clarify, that one is definitely going to have a comma in it. Oh but- yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, it's also oh. like, you know, they're supporting, supporting Dolby vision also. And sure. Like, it's just, you know, I my mean, Samsung doesn't support Dolby. But now that's right. because Samsung and Dolby don't get along. Don't get along but the fact man. of the matter is on my Xbox, that is the one little green thing that does not turn yeah, green like, yep. because Samsung and Dolby don't get along. They don't play so. well with others. Yeah. So rolling right along into our last couple. Cause again, I could camp on any one of these for a whole episode. Um, this one has a special place in my heart, and this one definitely is going to feed a future episode. Um, we're really looking forward to bringing you guys some more info on the PSVR 2. Um, PlayStation VR has been like one of those really interesting niches where there's a huge like cult following around it. It remains one of the most... I don't want to say accessible and that like literally, because obviously you go buy a freaking meta quest two, you throw it on your head and you start playing games. It doesn't yep. other than the price going up late into the product cycle, which don't get me started it's on weird. that. Yep. Um, it still remains from a, that perspective, the most accessible, but it's, it remains one of the more like, when I think about like classic, like when you used to get a VR headset to plug into your PC and play like through steam VR, like this is the closest thing to like the console, the true console equivalent of that. Yeah. Like you're, it's not the ease of just buying a meta quest and using it, but it is, you buy the thing, you plug it into your console and you're playing certain console games in VR in a relatively seamless and in my opinion, really well pulled off way and that was on the one and the two is poised to improve on that experience in a lot of key ways we're not going to go way down the rabbit hole on that but just know that that's coming but one of uh one of the big announcements that just got because i literally was just talking unrelated about doing a car sim setup here in the house um and that happened to be on xbox but what may be nudging my playstation towards that room is Gran Turismo 7 is getting a free VR upgrade when the PSVR 2 launches. I heard about that. And, you know, like right now I happen to be playing um, Forza Horizon 5 on on Xbox. And Mm -hmm. I'm not here to start a religious debate. Again, please don't email me. I am woefully aware that the Forza line and especially the Horizons and the GT line are entirely different games made for entirely different audiences. Forza Horizon 5 is not a sim. It is a, I want to drive an overbuilt Bronco over a mountain, roll it off the side and then drive it to the beach and have fun with every single second of it. Um, Gran Turismo is, I want to spend countless hours on the 
tire weight ratios on a Formula One car to shave two tenths of a second off my lap time. And yes, I realize all of that was wrong. Um, but that, like, that's that's really it's the difference it between a game and a sim. Me. Well, <laughs> it, it, they're the difference between a game and a sim. Forza Horizon right. Five is a game. GT Seven is built to be a sim. Um, but putting VR, especially Samsung's polish on a VR experience around that kind of game, I actually think that's going to be pretty special. And I'm really looking forward to getting, uh, getting hands on with that. So yeah, I mean, it was a relatively time, short stop. The only time I've ever experienced PSVR, they had a, like a demo center in the mall or whatever mm-hmm. that you could go to and like, you know, put on the headset and, and this is obviously pre COVID sure. <laughs> probably don't have that anymore, but you know, you could put it on and try it out. And I just, I didn't have a good experience with it simply because I have motion sickness issues. So like I was sitting there in the middle of them all getting dizzy and I was like, okay, maybe VR isn't for me. I've since then found, I was say, don't or, you own a MetaQuest too? I do. And I, because I found that there are like, at least with MetaQuest in their store, they rate their games based on how the discomfort level, like you can find the discomfort level, like which ones would make you more motion sick if you're prone to it as opposed to not. Got and it. I found that games where you're actually moving or like freely moving around, but you're not moving in real space make you more physically ill than ones that don't. So they're like where you can actually like say, I want to move here. And then your character kind of like, you know, nightcrawler bamps over to that area and you kind of jump around that way. They don't make me sick. So, but the game that they put me on was like a roller coaster sim while I'm standing right. there in the middle of the mall. And I'm like, <laughs> I think they do it on purpose. So I was, you know, but the, the quality of it, right? Like the visuals on the one were already very impressive. Really great. Yes. Four. So yep. I can't imagine what they're going to do with the PS five. And it's a years, yeah. years old device at this yes, point. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that's to think that, you know, I mean, well, let's put it, it launched with the PS four. Yep. Like it was yeah. tacked onto the PS5, but the PSVR 2 is going to be the first one purpose built for their current gen, quote unquote, next gen platform. Yeah. So it's like, that's going to be really, really cool to see. And OLED screens, 110 degree field of view, which will help with the motion sickness because it's so much wider for the field of view. Yep. 4K HDR with frame rates of 120 hertz. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive for a headset. No, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And now, like I said, GT7 getting a free upgrade for that. Um, I'm really excited to see more games take that route. I get it. it's a very easy thing to be like, we're going to do a $99.99 expansion pack and bleed our audience dry. Yeah. Um, no, I, and I am very well aware there are real and costly development dollars and hours that go into making those things. But just slow down and think about what's more important, the $9.99 per upgrade or how many people are going to go buy and experience your product in the first place because of that offering. Yeah, for sure. My one, my one plug. So, (laughs) and kind of to round out the ones that we picked up again, um, there are so many great outlets out there. I mean, we've referenced The Verge a few times. Hey, that's obviously one of our go-to favorites. Um, but there's, you know, I've been following Windows Central and just like a lot, a lot of a ton of great coverage. Wired did some good coverage on CES. I mean, you go down that rabbit hole for hours. I mean, Eric and I had the actual benefit of being, you know, physically together last week yeah. for for a work meeting and actually you know fun side story not so fun the intent was oh we can finally record an episode in the same room and then john brought the wrong mic um once listen, you go to a dynamic I, mic you never want to go back to a condenser that's for mm, sure nope Especially and I just, in an untreated area like that that 
place oh my we gosh. were had all bare walls and every sound was hard floors. Yeah, it, it was, was it was the worst. So we are also several days later bringing you this in general because of John's lack of audio expertise. So um, that back to the last one. Sorry, I was saying there's a ton of great outlets out there. Check all those out because they've got just tons of coverage around the event, all the cool stuff that yeah, we're we'll be covering a lot of. Here. Yeah. I, I don't even want to call it scraping. We just picked yeah. out the ones that frankly and entertained us the most because let's face it, that's what the show is really about. Um, but the last one, because it's frankly, it means something for me because I use, um, well, I mean, I use Qi charging on many devices and I use MagSafe every single, literally every single day throughout my day. Um, something that was announced around CES that we're really hoping just kind of holds true is an yeah. update Qi 2 wireless charging standard. And there's a lot of layers to this. The, the big takeaways are twofold for me. MagSafe should get stronger. Future MagSafe mm-hmm. products that adhere to the standard should genuinely just be less slip and slide. Yeah. I mean, truly. They which should, They should connect and stay connected rather than you go over a bump in your phones in your lap or on the floor right. as you're driving. <laughs> and I guess slowing down that for a second, I'm hoping there is a little bit of latitude for what the device is meant to do. For example, my bedside MagSafe charging mount, I think works flawlessly, holds my right. phone in place enough that it never doesn't charge, terrible English, because my old pre-MagSafe wireless charge, I more frequently than I liked, woke up in bed and either reached over for the phone at night and knocked it or just picked up a water glass and moved it enough that it stopped charging. And I woke up to a phone at 11% battery. Right. So that has yet to happen on MagSafe. So it holds it well enough to stop that, but it is re- easy enough to release that I can still reach over with one hand and pick up my phone. So I get it from that, but it's also at a mostly flat angle. It's at a very lightly inclined angle facing me. So it's not holding it vertically, for example, like you would on a car mount. I agree when you start talking car mounts or heck, even Apple's like their own MagSafe accessories, like the wallet and the battery and stuff like those definitely. I've never gone to the wallet. I've got several friends that swear by them. I know as a fact, my wallet would be lost within 72 hours of me putting it because it comes off too easy. Yeah, It's, my, it's just a it's, fact. It's actually not too bad on mine that the issue, I use the wallet attached to my to my phone and I have a case, a MagSafe case on my phone. So it's like yep. connecting to the case, you know, and it's it's finicky because there's a, there's a circle magnet and a line magnet. Right. So it like, it rotates until you, click that line magnet lined up just right. And then it stays locked in place. And I actually have to like give it a fingernail under it to pull it off or slide it off to the side when it's in my pocket to get out. And it actually stays put relatively good as long as I fiddle with it until it it locks into place. Cause if you don't, it will slide off really easy. So stronger magnet wouldn't be a bad idea there either, but it's not terrible. Now, so the, the twofold takeaway is on the Apple side of things, again, we've had MagSafe now for a while in iOS land. Um, so we'll see stronger magnets there, but the, 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 for me, the much bigger one, as someone who floats between Apple and non-Apple devices quite literally several times a day, um, the new Qi 2 is going to bring mandated magnet stuff for Android. So mm. we should finally see, for all intents and purposes, Android MagSafe. And that's just... And they have to be, you know, interchangeable. Because I, I, I do. I want one charging dock that I can, can just drop a device on 
and charge the device and have it stick there. And I just really feel like that's of all the lock-in of all the, yes, Apple, you get me for a new pair of AirPods at least once a year, good on you. Great. Charging shouldn't be that thing. Like it's the whole reason why the EU is pushing this USB-C stuff so hard because making your device have power in it shouldn't be one of those things. Like it just, it just needs to be a thing that works. I should be able to go to into an airport terminal and you know, those ridiculous little kiosks, they've got the 20,000 cables falling out of from that should simply be a ring of lightly magnetic charging magnets. I can drop a phone on for 10 minutes, charge it and walk away and get up. Even though I get a few percent enough to get me through to what to be able to scan my ticket at the next, you know, that's all I need. You know what I mean? So that's, it should just be, those are one of the handful of things that should just work. Um, charging just, it needs standards do exist for a reason. Charging really need It's all under the chi standard for a reason. The, the means by which you do that should be interchangeable between devices. So I'm all for that. I'm all in on it. The interchange, the interoperability, the interchangeability. Um, and just, I mean, magnets are great. I hate to say it. magnet, Magnets are great when charging your devices. I love MagSafe on. Now, again, I should say this is MagSafe as it relates to Apple phone and like AirPod devices. This is not the MagSafe on your modern MacBook. That's a whole different situation. Um, Now, I had a little side thought the other day that, gosh, do I want an iPad with MagSafe now? The more I've thought about it, and I don't mean the MagSafe my phone has. I actually, that's a situation where I actually wanted charging. uh, Cable. If my yeah. if my iPad Pro can allegedly do everything my MacBook can, I want it to be able to use my MacBook's charger and do not tell me to use USB-C. I mean right. the freaking I I I went down the rabbit hole, I lined them up, the device is thick enough. They could yeah. they could they could they could definitely do be, it. Because yeah. it hit me. This is such a rap, this is such a right turn, but it's us. Um it hit me because I'm like, oh, well, it's thick enough. It would it wouldn't compromise the structural integrity because a MagSafe charging port isn't a hole. Unlike right. every other charging port, it's an indent. Yeah. It's just carved out a little bit and it has those like four or five mm-hmm. contacts in there. Yeah. That's all I want. That's all I want. I, 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 <laughs> I, nice. I cannot say how much. At least on the much, pro. The, the, uh, that, and I mean yeah. that on the pro. If yeah. you want to put a MagSafe puck on the back of an iPad Air or a regular iPad, go for it all day long. On my iPad Pro that I'm being told by every Apple to mar- Apple marketing person on earth to think about like I think about my MacBook, then fine. Let me use my MacBook MagSafe charger with it. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty awesome to have that. And especially if you get both, if it's got the indent mm-hmm. and the USB-C on there. So you've got the... Oh, yeah, don't take my USB-C port amazing. away. For the love of God, that was right. not an ask for them to take my USB-C port again because it's not it is not a hole in the device. They could, for example, put it on the top. They could put it on the side. They could put it, please don't pull an Apple mouse and put it on the, a magic mouse and put it on the bottom. That's all I'm asking. Please, please, to the ghost of Johnny Ive, please, <laughs> no, do not put it on the back. But seriously, there's zero reason why it couldn't be there. It would completely change how I charge and use that device in a really, really good way. Yeah. Um, and go down to, again, one charger. And yes, I should I always have a USB-C cable on me? Of course, but it's just... I, I just want it. And also the speed of it, because yeah. naturally speaking, like wireless charging is normally slower. MagSafe, which 
I struggle every time I say wireless charging because it's so dumb because there's obviously a wire there. But anyway, right. <laughs> magnetic charging. I'm gonna I'm gonna insist on starting to call it that. Yeah. Um, the magnetic charging on, on the MagSafe that is at least correct charging through the MacBook is as fast or faster. Like it's crazy fast how fast my MacBook charges over mm-hmm. the MagSafe connector. No reason why I shouldn't be able to get that performance out from the iPad. So yeah, absolutely not. Totally unrelated to CES in every way, shape, and form. But I just um, that was my unrighteous rant that I just couldn't stop myself. <laughs> but I literally had this thought like last night because I needed my my iPad for something. The nearest charger, my MacBook Pro, was literally sitting on the table charging, and but I couldn't use my. I needed to sign something. So I needed my Apple Pencil and my iPad, and it was dead. So rather than just plucking that charger off the MacBook and magnetically attaching it, I go, yeah. yep. So I don't know what is above a first world problem, but I think I just invented the category, but right. I digress. Um, any uh, Anything CES worthy related or even apparently not even tangentially related you want to <laughs> throw in there at the end? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just, I would say, you know, if you're interested at all, go out and definitely check out all the sources you mentioned earlier. Cause oh, like there's, said, there we, was a lot of good this year. You know, we, we just dusted the surface off a little bit. We didn't even scratch Barely. it yet. There was so, there were so many things announced at CES this year and some really cool stuff and, and just go out there and check it out if you're interested in tech at all, because there's, there's a lot to get into for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I couldn't agree more. And uh, on that bombshell, we will wrap it up not only for this episode, but for the beginning of 2023. So we are really looking forward to just what the year has ahead. It'll be our first, you know, full year. Obviously, as everyone knows, we started partway through the year last year. So just again, really looking forward to what 2023 has ahead for the industry, for us as a show. Um, looking forward to Cody joining us again, coming back to the show next week. And uh, yeah, looking forward to everything that's ahead. And uh, with that, we will catch you next time. Later. Later.